And the obvious Jules Friedman, yeah. Yeah, the obvious difference here, folks, for those watching, is that there is a cross on that grave, not a Star of David. Um, That's the sound of a virtual tour I gave earlier this year of some Canadian war cemeteries in Normandy, France. When I'm not doing the podcast, I'm a keynote speaker because I'm a Canadian Jewish historian and an expert in the role of Canada's 17,000 Jewish men and women who fought in the Second World War, helped defeat Hitler, and rescued the survivors of the Holocaust. And because it was COVID, we couldn't go there physically ourselves. So the host of the show I was doing, WW2TV, Paul Woodage, sent camera crews to the main cemeteries. And the camera people walked through the thousands of graves and they found some of the most interesting Canadian Jewish ones. And then I shared the stories of the men who are buried there. When we reached the grave of Army Officer Lieutenant Jules Friedman from Toronto, we noticed there was a cross on his tombstone, not a Star of David. And we were stunned because I was certain Friedman was Jewish. So I did some research and the British agency that looks after all the Commonwealth War cemeteries around the world was notified. It took six months, but officials agreed a serious mistake had been made all those years ago after the Second World War. And it wasn't just Friedman's grave. There were two more Jewish-Canadian fallen troops with crosses in the same cemetery, Bretville-sur-Les, near Caen. Trooper Archie Edelman and Flying Officer Mortimer Sukarov. So they were obviously quite concerned that some big error had occurred. Very unusual. Three in one cemetery. Quite unusual. So... We did it. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Thursday, November the 11th, Remembrance Day 2021. Welcome to the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. There are 24 Jewish Canadians buried at the Bretville sur Les War Cemetery, and now all of them have the right symbol on their gravestones. Lieutenant Jules Friedman and Archie Edelman were both in the tank corps, They died within a few days of each other in August 1944 during the battle to capture Falaise. Both were 24. Friedman was an optometrist. When his tank was hit, everyone else got out. He was killed by a sniper. Edelman worked for Steinberg's grocers. And Mortimer, or Max as they call him, Sukarov, was in the family's meat business in Winnipeg. He was a navigator with the RCAF. His bomber iced up. Everyone was ordered to bail out. He was 29. Coming up, you'll hear from the Jewish historian who's made it his mission to find incorrect or missing Jewish soldiers' graves around the world and to make sure the world not only knows about them, but that their final resting place clearly shows they were Jewish. But first, here's what's making news elsewhere in Canada right now. I'm Mitch Garber in my office in Montreal, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like. If you've watched the National Remembrance Day ceremony telecast from Ottawa for the last good many years, you will have seen the late Rabbi Reuven Bulka delivering the official benediction. Bulka was an honorary chaplain of the Royal Canadian Legion, and he worked tirelessly during his life to support Canadian veterans. When Bulka died in June of cancer, questions were raised about whether the role would be offered to another Jewish clergy. It was only confirmed a few days ago, organizers asked Rabbi Idan Sher of Rabbi Bilka's former synagogue to give the benediction this year from the National War Memorial in Ottawa. Sher had been Bilka's plus one, as he calls it, for several years now during the annual event. 
And as of Wednesday, Cher was still composing what he would say to the nation. But he will channel the war experiences of his own family when he approaches the microphone. His 95-year-old grandfather, Len Peteshin, served in the Royal Canadian Navy. And he was also scheduled to be there. Plus, Cher's late uncle, Norman Peteshin, was wounded in Italy and spent months in hospital during the war. As for whether Cher will continue Bulka's tradition of not wearing a coat on November 11th, no matter how brutally cold it got, the younger rabbi says he'll listen to his wife and dress for the weather. (laughs) Still with the Rabbi Bulka news, the Canadian government held a special ceremony Wednesday to give a posthumous commendation award to Rabbi Bulka. It's for his years of volunteering to help veterans. The Minister of Veterans Affairs, Lawrence McCauley, officially awarded the certificate and medals and one of the rabbi's sons, Shmuel, participated in the Zoom event. Stick around at the end of the episode, and we'll play a clip for you. And so, to find out more how we did it, I'm joined from London, England, by Martin Sugarman. Martin is the archivist of the Association of Jewish Ex-Servicemen and Women in Britain, and he helped make these war heroes really rest in peace. Let's begin with the latest uh, story that we want to tell our listeners about. You have three headstones photos that were sent to you by the Commonwealth War Graves Commission, three latest successes, we'll call them. Um, you know, walk us through the process of how that got done. Well, this arose when you and I were discussing some um, anomalies that we found with some Canadian Jewish war graves, and it led us to the cemetery at Bretterville. And I then notified uh, the Commonwealth War Graves Commission and said there are some anomalies here. This photo doesn't match that photo, which doesn't match this photo. And he emailed me very quickly back. Uh, I think they were quite worried about it. And he said that he'd looked at the rec- records of that cemetery and they seemed to be in a mess. And he was going to call up all of the records that lay behind the records and check them again. And within a few weeks, these photos arrived and he said, yes, we found three that should have had Mug and David, Stars of David, instead of crosses, and we've, we've already corrected them, and here are the photographs. And that was when I sent them to you. So they were obviously quite concerned that some big error had occurred, very unusual, three in one cemetery, quite unusual. So we did it. It was totally by fluke that that's how it started, but this is usually how things happen, is somebody notices. We stumble on these things. Mm-hmm. That's true. Right? Absolutely true. That's how it happens. So it's basically luck and serendipity and then, you know, commitment by a, a team of researchers such as us and yourself who who then take up the, the, the task. of the, And I've always called it a holy task. Can we take a step back, Martin, and, and let's um, go back a bit to how you started to do this task of correcting historical errors in the religious symbols? Well, the first one that I remember uh, thinking about and um, questioning was back in the early 90s when I started writing my books after I'd left teaching and got a job nine to five and I could devote myself to research I'd wanted to do for years. And I was in on a battlefield tour in Arnhem and going through the graves, I saw several Star of David graves, of course, a lot of Jewish paras in the battle who was sadly killed. And there was one with no symbol on, and his name was Bernard Hykin. Now I said to myself, this guy is not Irish. This, there's something wrong here. And to cut a long story short, I did a bit of research. Remember, this is before the internet, and 
actually before the Commonwealth War Graves Commission had their website. So it was very difficult to find stuff. But after a while, I discovered that Hiking was indeed a Jewish paratrooper. So I wrote to the commission, I got the proof, I found his sister and brother still alive in London, and they confirmed it. The commission checked it and they realized there had been an error because the family had not contacted the commission. They suspected he was Jewish when the headstone was being put up. So they left it blank with just his name and regiment. And since then, um, there's something like, I haven't, you know, I haven't even counted. There must be approaching 200 that we've had either changed, corrected in some way. Some have been refused. Um, and that's how it all began. So it's been since, it's getting on for 30 years. What is the motivation for the, this 30-year you know, commitment you've made? Well, first of all, it's the commission's policy that Jewish graves have stars of David. And they decided on this way back in the, while the First World War was still on. Secondly, the more stars of David we see in the cemeteries, then the higher the profile of the sacrifice of the community whether it's the Commonwealth graves or American graves or French. Well, is it because you just want to correct an, a mistake or is there more to it than that in terms of the, the contribution? Absolutely. And it's, it's part of the fight against anti-Semitism. One of the things you pick up when you go on battlefield tours with mixed groupies um, these days, at least, I'm so surprised to see so many Jewish war graves in this cemetery. Um, they, they, they see it. And they're astonished. And when I come along with my big star of David Reef and lay it by the, the central um, altar, there's always a huge amount of respect uh, from the uh, non-Jewish people who participate, you know, whole coach loads of people. is to raise the profile of our sacrifice, to fight this nonsense that we hear sometimes from racists that the Jews shirked, they didn't do their duty. It is indubitably and obviously untrue. All right. Now tell us about some of the difficulties. You don't always you don't always succeed in okay. convincing uh, the Commonwealth War Graves Commission to, to change. What are the main reasons that you find that they say no? Well, this is the most frustrating part of it. And I, I, I have sleepless nights over it. Many, many occasions. And, and they're on the list of the record that I keep. We discover that because of the nature of particularly the Second World War, because Jewish soldiers were sometimes afraid that they would be harassed by their colleagues, they changed their names and they attested as Church of England or Roman Catholic. Another reason was that they might have married a non-Jewish woman and they even married in a church, but they were, you know, if his name is Chaim Goldstein, there's no doubt that he was Jewish. When the casualty is notified to the commission, they contact the family. The first person they go to is the spouse. And if the spouse asks for a cross, there's nothing we can do. Let's talk about the families. I know you've helped people all over the world um, and you've gotten lots of media coverage. Uh, one was in the Philippines, I think, even. How do the families react to this? 99%, uh, they are absolutely delighted. Very often, they didn't even know that there was no symbol or a cross on the grave because they've never visited. You know, guys killed in Burma. Some of the cemeteries there are extremely remote and difficult to get to. Some are in war zones. It's only in recent years, with all the anniversaries, that they've actually 
found out. So I've had a lot change where the families are absolutely uh, horrified at what they've discovered and then delighted that we've been able to change it and they write letters of support. And of course, it's very hard for the commission to say no. You know, as the, the, the years pass, it's now going to be 77 years, 76 years, 75 years uh, since these people were killed. Um, how hard is it becoming to actually find people still alive that can, you know, the sisters, the spouses that can help you in your mission? Yeah, it is harder with the passage of time. Uh, World War One graves, and we have quite a lot that we've had changed, are a good example. But it's amazing. You find grandchildren and great nephews and nieces, and they are very, very shocked to find that their relative has got a cross on their grave or no symbol. So you, I think for another generation, in other words, the generation of my children, your children, we will still be able to have graves changed for as long as the commission carries out its mission of remembering them properly in perpetuity. That's the word they use. And I think, therefore, the struggle goes on. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to Barbara Weisfeld. She's with Centennial College's Holocaust Education Committee, and they bring important programming each November to the Toronto Area College. And we'll close the episode, as I promised, with a clip of what it sounded like at the ceremony for Rabbi Bulka's Veterans Affairs Award. The full video, by the way, is on the CJN's YouTube channel. Here is his son, Shmuel. Our father always seemed to find a way to end his remarks with a flourish. It therefore seems appropriate to me on this occasion that I end by sharing the last few sentences of our father's final Remembrance Day speech, November the 11th, 2020. Let us continue to make Canada worthy of our veterans' ongoing dedication and sacrifice, a country defined by respect, harmony, inclusion, responsibility, and kindness to all. God bless our veterans. God bless our troops. God bless all those who stand on guard, all champions of peace, safety, security, and tranquility. God bless Canada. Thank you. The Limud Toronto Festival takes place on Sunday, November 21st. Limud features educators, performers, authors, activists, and innovators from around the world. The Limud Festival of Jewish Learning celebrates creativity, diversity, inclusivity, and discussion. Everyone is welcome. All tickets to Limud are pay what you can. Learn more at limud.ca.